How's it going? Happy Mother's Day. It's great to be able to come and share a word with you today. And I wanted to look a little bit at a particular story that, that shows us how Jesus interacts uh, with a woman in, 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 in a gospel story. Uh, the culture kind of that we're in and the time that we're in at the moment, there's lots of conversation about how men and women relate to one another. You know, there's, there's been uh, movements like Me Too and lots of talk about abuse and misogyny and, uh, and kind of, in fact, I saw an advert even just last week talking about, uh, I think it's called, um, it was released by maybe the London Mayor, about how men should uh, help to self-police and call one another out on the way that they interact with women. And so there's, there's been lots of talk about that uh, in recent times. And so I thought, well, let's look at a story of how Jesus um, decides to, uh, I guess, a, a, a rabbi, a Jewish man, a teacher, how he decides to interact with another woman. And so we're going to read that from John 4. And, and I hope what we learn today is, and what we see is that not just how he interacts, that we can learn from that, but also who he reveals, um, who he is, and, and, and what we can all draw out of that. So we're going to be in John 4. And so you, uh, you can turn there and I'm going to read, starting from verse 5, uh, where essentially Jesus has basically been in Jerusalem. He's now traveling north to go up to Galilee and he passes through Samaria uh, in order to do that. It's the quickest route. And, and so this is what it says, starting at verse 5. So he came to a town called Samaria, called Sychia, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Basically, Jesus has been traveling, he's tired and hot, and it's noon, it's, it's the heat of the day, and he finds a well, uh, which is quite a famous well, and he sits down on the wall beside it. Wells often would have had a, a wall kind of around it to protect the well from debris and people may be falling in. And he sits down, and this is where we see this interaction. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who said to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty and have to come back to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband. You've had five husbands and the one that you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers, that they worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. 
You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us these things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Then the disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and she went into the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. This is the word of God. Jesus, I said to you, is, is, is weary and tired. And so he finds himself at a well. Uh, on his own, he sent his disciples off to buy food. And, and a woman comes and she, and she kind of comes to Jesus. And Jesus asks her a question. He says, give me a drink. Uh, he starts this dialogue that we're going to kind of look at in a bit of detail. And, and, and this throws the woman completely. She's like, well, what do you mean give you a drink? She's saying, you know, how is it you who's asking me, a woman of Samaria, for a drink? And the reason that she's so struck by that is because there's two social norms that Jesus, as a Jewish man, is completely disregarding. The first is that he's talking to a woman. Jewish men, especially rabbis, teachers, they didn't engage or speak to women in this time. What she would have expected Jesus to do is, as she was approaching, he should probably go away, go and kind of give some space, a healthy man, 20 yards or so, uh, wouldn't even look at her, pay her any regard or any attention. She would then fill up her water, do what she's got to do and then move on. But instead, what Jesus does is, is he engages with her in conversation. This was gone against all social norms. And not only was it uh, as bad as that, that she's a woman, also she was a Samaritan. The Jewish people and Samaritans, they hated each other. They had a 500 year feud going on. For, it's been going on for centuries where they'd, uh, there'd kind of been animosity and anger on both sides. And he's thinking, Jewish people, they didn't engage with Samaritans. Think, What's this? this he's, he, he, what he was doing would have shocked people. It shocked her. How are you asking me? And not only that, he's coming and asking her for help. But it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm in need of something from you. Can you give me a drink? And so she is thrown by this interaction. She's, she's kind of, what, what is going on here? She, she asks him a question. How is it that you're asking me a drink? And then basically that, that is kind of what sets the scene for what we're going to see now, which is almost Jesus gives three attempts to try to explain to her and show her who he is and what he's come to do. And you'll see that in the first two, she just misses it. And in the third one, she finally gets it. And so let's kind of look at each of these in turn. The first one is, is Jesus, uh, verse 10, for the next two or three verses, wants to show her that he's the living water. He, he says to her, uh, verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked me for living water. When I was, when I was a lot, lot younger, or even now to an extent, certain sort of blokes would try and use this as almost as a bit of a way to... Uh, you know, if people were getting into a fight or confrontation, they'd use the phrase, do you know who I am? You know, it's, it's kind of like almost a way to 
kind of stamp your forehead, you know who I am? And it was like, well, because if, if, you, if you knew who I was, you wouldn't be trying to interact with me in this way. That's basically what the, the, the statement means. Sometimes I think maybe they've taken that from Jesus because this is what he's trying to say to this woman. It's like, if, if you, not in a threatening way, but if you knew who I was, if, if you really knew who I was, what was behind me, what I carried, it, you wouldn't be interacting with me like this. You'd be coming to me saying, give me a drink, living water. Jesus is talking about here eternal life. Not just is he talking about water that comes as a, as a spring, springing kind of fresh flowing water. He's also talking about a metaphor that represents eternal life. You see it in the Old Testament. If, if, if you turn to Jeremiah 2.13, God says, you've committed two evils to his people. He says, you've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and you've built cisterns, wells for yourselves. God sometimes is described as like living water. It's a metaphor for life. Jesus saying, I've come to give eternal life, living water. If you really knew that, if you really knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink. And, and, and I love it because the whole thing just completely goes over her head. She's like, but you ain't got a bucket. But, do you mean I'll be asking you for water? You, you haven't even got anything to draw water with. What? She, she's just completely thinking in the physical. She's just missed the metaphor. She's straight over her head. You ain't got a bucket. How can you give me a drink? In those days, they would have had kind of, it almost would have been like a leather satchel rolled up uh, to carry it to the well. Disciples probably took it with them. And then when you entered it into the well, it would kind of open up and it would fill with water. And, and you'd go, you ain't even got a bucket. You ain't even got anything to carry the water with. Are you greater than our father, Jacob? You know, he's the one who built this world. You know, are you greater than him and his sons? And so she's missed the mark on two occasions there because firstly, Jesus is not just talking about physical water. And secondly, yeah, he is greater than our father, Jacob. She just doesn't realise it yet. So you see from her response, she ain't got a clue what's going on. To her, Jesus is just a, a weary, tired worn out, dusty traveller, Jewish traveller who's come in to ask for a drink. She thinks nothing of him. And so that's the first kind of little mini interaction. Jesus thinks, you know what? I'll come at it again, slightly different angle. He responds to her, verses 13. He says, but everyone who drinks water from this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give will never be thirsty. The water I give will become in him a spring of water welling up for eternal life. Jesus is trying to make the point. He's trying to say, no, this water that I'm talking to you about, is, it's spiritual, not material. It's, it's heavenly. It's not earthly. It's permanent. It's not temporary. So this is something that's going to quench your thirst in, not just physically, but far beyond that. Isaiah uh, 55 talks about this idea of, of when we're thirsty, is this metaphor, where those who thirst, those who long, come to him. He says, come, those who are thirsty, verse one. Come to the waters, those who have no money. Come, buy, eat, drink. Again, it's this metaphor that Jesus is playing on. Those that are thirsty, those that are weary, those that are tired can come and drink from him. And, and, and listen, we all drink from a well. By the way, all, all of us, whoever we are, there's, there's things that we go to to drink from uh, that we want to sustain us, help us, encourage us. There's things that when we feel weary, we go to. Holidays, 
uh, you know, you, you go, you have a holiday and it's great, but six months afterwards, that holiday felt like a lifetime ago, you know. You think, oh, I could just, I just need, I could do another holiday. Or, or we drink from the well of popularity, feeling that we want friends and connection, but maybe we're never quite connected or have friends enough. Or, or we drink from the well of finance, thinking if we're, but it's never enough finance. We always want to accumulate more and more and more. I could go on and on and on of different things that, that each one of us, whoever you are, you, you drink from to find a level of comfort, peace, satisfaction, longing to quench this thirst. Jesus knows that. He's saying, in life, the, and, he, and he's using this well as a metaphor, this water that you come and drink, you have to keep coming back and back and back. But the, the water that I give, the, the drink that I give, the, the peace and the comfort and the life that I bring, it's like a, a spring welling up for eternal life. This is not just temporary. This goes on and on and on and on. It, it, it produces something in us, and he's trying to draw that out and show her that. And he quotes scripture and he has a whole load of things. And, and, and I love it because her response shows that, again, she's just missing it. She's like, ah, oh, give, give me some of this water. She, she says that I will not be thirsty and have to come here and draw water again. She's still thinking in the physical. She thinks the biggest blessing about what Jesus comes to do is I ain't got to come and make this long journey up to the well anymore. She's like, cool, that's a touch. This is an absolute mission coming up here to draw water. Yeah, give me some of that so I don't have to keep coming up to make this journey. She's just thinking in the physical. And so that's the, the second kind of interaction where Jesus is thinking, man, I'm, it's like, you're not getting through. You're coming up against a brick wall. And so he decides, you know what? Let me change tact. He, he asks a very different question. He now comes to her and he says, all right, Go and call your husband. You want this wall? Go call your husband. The woman's probably thinking, getting shifted. I, 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 I don't have a husband. He's like, yeah, I know you don't. You've had five husbands, and the man that you're with now, he's not your husband. And you sort of think, whoa, it's a gear change. And you think, why, why, why did Jesus, what's, why does Jesus do that? Is it, is it being mean? I want to say this, sometimes Jesus is not saying this or doing this to humiliate or ridicule or shame or, or even to rebuke her. Sometimes it's been, I've heard quite often actually, it's been presented, this woman basically is presented as a whore, a harlot, a, a, a woman who's, ah, oh, she's a, someone who's just got around and Jesus is rebuking her. But there's actually, there's nothing in the text that, that, that insinuate or tells us that this woman uh, was an adulteress. Or was that way? The circumstances of how she become, uh, had, has gone through these marriages is unclear to us. We can only make assumptions. You don't know. Maybe she's been widowed. Maybe all five of her previous husbands have actually died. Maybe that's why the, the, the sixth man that she's with now is like, well, I'm not marrying you. I know where this goes. You, know? you, you don't know. Maybe some of those men had actually just left her because the rights of women in those days and the standings of women, men could up and go with very little consequence at times. Maybe that's the reason that she's uh, kind of had multiple husbands. In fact, if she was an adulteress, according to Mosaic law, if you were an adulteress, you'd be stoned and killed. So the very fact that she's even alive in here suggests to me that she's not been co com committing adultery five times in a row and been killed. That, that narrative, that, that, that's not what Jesus is trying to do. 
But regardless of the circumstances of how she's found herself in a position where she's been married five times and the man she's now with is not her husband, regardless of how it's happened, because of her circumstances, she would have been considered an outsider. She would have been considered someone that was humiliated or shamed. That's why she's going to the well on her own. People often say that, that women, you didn't go to the well at noon in the heat of the day to get water. That was a no-no. In, in kind of Palestine, in those times, even to this day, those countries where you need to go and get water from a well, you go in the morning when it's cool, early in the morning. And often they would go in groups. But, but this woman comes on her own at noon, which suggests that maybe she's, she's an outcast. She's an outsider. She's, there's shame and humiliation. Jesus is not bringing this up to humiliate her to rebuke her, he's bringing it up to show that he has compassion with her. He's bringing it up to show her that, that, that I, I, I know everything about you, I know who you are, I know everything about you, and I've come to show you how I can save you. Jesus, in a way, is, is almost, when you've got a wound, right, an open wound, people say there's a difference between scars and wounds. You know, when you've got a scar, you can push your thumb into it, and it doesn't hurt when you push a scar. But you push a wound, it's still open, it hurts. It's, and Jesus is almost, he's, he's kind of just pushing his thumb into a, an open wound. This woman, is, this woman carries this kind of shame and this probably a little bit of humiliation, embarrassment. The fact that Jesus is even asking it, she's probably thinking, ah, Jesus is probing. And the reason he's doing it is because he's trying to show her who he is and what he's come to do. He's trying to show her in this text that she has, she is, 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 is I know everything about you. I know everything about your past, but I'm still going to be committed to your future. That's what he's like, Jesus. He says, I know everything about your past, but I'm still committed to your future. Whatever you've done, whoever you are. And, and Jesus has this tactic in the Gospels all the time where he basically wants to show people how incapable we are of being able to uh, fulfill the holy law, of being able to meet God's standards. He kind of wants to show us that we're incapable of doing it and so we need saving. If you read, he does it in Luke 10, a man comes and he says, you know, uh, what must I do? He says, love the Lord your God of all your heart, soul and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. And, and the man's thinking, I, I can't do that. It's, imp it's impossible. So yeah, that's the whole point, showing you that, that, that in your own devices you are unable to fulfill the law. That's why Jesus said, that's why I've come. Luke 14, rich young ruler comes and says, let me sell, uh, what have I got to do? He says, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. The man's thinking, I can't, I can't do that. Jesus like, no, you can't. He's trying to show him you're incapable of fulfilling the law yourself. That's why I've come. And even with this woman, he's trying to show her, you, you've, you've, you've probably fouled in elements of the law. You're, 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 you're an, unable of keeping it according to the Mosaic law. People won't see you as holy and righteous. That's why I've come. I see this on a regular basis with my, my little daughter, Grace, right? She's at that age now where she wants to do everything herself, okay? So I'll put her shoes on. I'm trying to put her shoes on in the morning, try and tie her laces. She's like, oh, Grace, do it. Grace, you do it. Grace, I'm like, okay, Grace, do it. Um, She'll do it for a while, she'll try and, you know, I'm letting her do it and then she realises she can't do it and she goes, oh, daddy help, okay, so then I'll do it. Or I'll get a pack of grapes out of the fridge, 
probably biscuits. I'm just trying to sound like we're healthy. And she's trying to open it and then she's like, ah, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Uh, but she wants to try and do it. And then in the end she goes, oh, daddy do it, daddy helps. So I do it and open it for her. And, and it's funny, she, in allowing her to do it, I'm showing her that she's incapable of doing it and she needs my help. And it's, it's often what Jesus does with us, is what he's doing with this woman. He's showing her all of kind of her mess. And I, look, look at all this. You're incapable of, of, of fixing this, of being healed yourself, of saving yourself. But that's why I've come. I've come to heal. I've come in this, to, to press on your wound. So I know about these, but I've come to heal them. I've come to show you dignity and compassion and kindness even in it. I've come that I may save you. And this woman, she, she, she starts to get it. Just a little bit. She's not fully there yet. She, she's like, what's, what's her response? Oh, I, I perceive you're a prophet. She's like, you're no longer just this man who needs a drink. There's something about you. And so what she does is she then asks him a big theological question. Some have said, oh, she was trying to shift the topic, but it's not true because often, I find this as a pastor, when people are kind of getting exposed to Christianity, what they want to do is they want to bring tough questions. I get this today. I chat with a friend who's, who's kind of exploring. I go, yeah, but what about suffering? What about evil? What about homosexuality? It's, it's, and she comes with a question, which was a the big theological question of their day, which was basically, uh, where should we worship? Some say, yeah, our fathers worship on this mountain here in Samaria, on Mount Gerizim. But, but you, Mount, you worship in, the Jewish people worship in Jerusalem. And they say the Samaritans aren't allowed to come and worship in a Jerusalem temple. So you've got two temples going on, two places of worship. Well, what's going on? Where are we going to worship? And Jesus basically gives her the answer. He doesn't dismiss the question. He says, no, I'll answer your question. It's neither here on this mountain nor in the temple where people worship. He says, a time is coming when the Father is after worshippers that will worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus is basically saying that you're both wrong. It's not where you worship, but it's going to be how you worship. I don't care about, I'm, not, I'm ushering in the kingdom where the location and the heritage and the background and, and, and where you're from doesn't matter. The kingdom I'm ushering in, it's not about, oh, it was here or you're, Jew, you're Jewish or Samaritan or Gentile or this or that. The kingdom I'm ushering in is about how you worship, about those who will worship me in spirit and in truth. I'm ushering in the kingdom where it's no longer about all these other things, but it's just about the heart. It's just about your heart. I don't care what your background is. I don't care how many times you've been married previously. I don't care if you're a Samaritan. I don't care if you're a woman. I don't care if you're this. I don't care if it's that. I don't care if you're from a... a and Jesus said, no, I don't care about your finance or your bank balance or your, your, your history. These things, they don't matter to me. I care about your heart. That's the kingdom that he says, I'm going to usher in. That's the kingdom, the, uh, a new way that I'm going to bring in. And the woman kind of on hearing it again is grasping it even more. And she's, she kind of almost sighs, like, oh, the Messiah's coming and he's going to answer all these questions. It's like, man, this is tough. The Messiah's coming, he's going to answer it. And Jesus says to her, this is like the big crescendo of the passage, the big kind of conclusion, the, the rounding up of the whole thing. He says, you know what? You who, speak, you who you speak to, I am he. This is the, the, the big reveal. I am, I am the Messiah. This is the first of several statements. In John's gospel, you get loads of these I am statements. I'm the gardener, I'm the vine, I'm the light, I'm the bread of life. I'm, he said, I, this is the first one, I am he. In the Greek Old Testament, it's the same expression that you see where God reveals himself to Moses. I am who I am. He said, Jesus reveals himself to her as the Messiah. 
And it's the first time in John's gospel that he reveals explicitly that he's the Messiah. It's the first time he uses this statement and he chooses to do it to, to a woman, not only a woman, a Samaritan, and not only a Samaritan, but an outcast. Shows you the sort of kingdom that he's come to usher in. He could have done it in the chapter before, chatting to Nicodemus, the religious leader. He doesn't. He decides to do it here. This would have surprised everybody. He's shown the value and the dignity that he wants to give to her, and it doesn't. It throws his disciples. They come back and they're like, they're marvelling. It says they marvelled at what was going on. It shows how socially different it was. It's, they didn't question him on it because they respect him as a rabbi, but they're marvelling. And then this woman, kind of as she leaves, I'll close with this. It says that the woman left, left her jar. She went into the town and she says, come and see a man that told me everything I ever did. As we close, we'll, we'll see it's amazing what this woman does because before she was so obsessed with the physical, the jar, she was obsessed with it. But now she's decided, now she's seen who Christ is. Suddenly the physical didn't matter anymore. The things that she was obsessed and cared about no longer matter. It's so symbolic. She leaves the jar there, she forgets it. She said, I, I came here to get water. I was obsessed about it. I've forgotten about it all now because I've seen there's something greater. And that's the Christian life. You, you leave what was behind and you in, in pursuit of something that's far greater, something that will, will quench your thirst far more than even that water will. And, and so she runs and she comes, come and see this man. He knows everything I ever did. Now, this man, he knows it all. He's seen the depths of my heart, but he loves me the same. He loves me, he's for me. Come and see, you must see. She's received grace and compassion and mercy and she's overjoyed. And it's the same grace and compassion and mercy that you and I can receive and the kingdom that Jesus has chose to usher in. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you that you are so for us, that you, you chose to usher in your kingdom in a way that shows us whoever we are, wherever we're from, all are welcome to come and drink from your well. Thank you that you, you chose to, to show it to this Samaritan woman, Lord, an outsider, an outcast, a loner, Lord, to show that all are welcome at your table. And so we thank you for it and we pray, help us to understand and receive these things. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.